Hello, 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 hello. Let's get into this. I've been really debating and procrastinating this thing for like four or five hours. Um, we're going to talk about coronavirus again. We're going to talk about COVID-19. Um, it's You can't stop hearing about it. Like I'm already sick of hearing about it, but I'm going to comment on it again. Um, I'm kind of nervous doing this one just because... I've already gotten a lot of negative feedback on some of the areas that kind of might want to explore with this. Um, I've been back on Twitter. I was gone for about eight months or maybe even more, and it was great. But recently I've kind of got back to it. I still don't have the app on my phone, but I get on it on the web browser, tweet some. Um, I try to stay off it as much as possible because a lot of it is just like a cesspool for some of the worst commentary maybe um, <laughs> that we have. But there are some good things on it. But recently, I guess with this coronavirus thing, it's kind of pulled me back in. Um, and I've been tweeting about it a little bit here and there. And I've had people kind of DM me attack some of the things I'm saying, say, well, how could you say this? Um, it's very ignorant. It's very inaccurate. Uh, you're misleading people. Um, I don't know. I've been verbally <laughs> attacked over this thing just for kind of just trying to provide a counterpoint, trying to dispute um maybe the severity of it. So I want to give a background in saying that, yes, I think it's a very real thing. Um, I think it's dangerous. I think that it can spread exponentially. Um, I understand that it has a higher death rate than most common flu strains. Uh, I get some of the, the reasoning behind uh, the push for social distancing or quarantining yourself or whatever you want to say. But I don't know. I think that we also need to have a little bit of pushback. There needs to be, again, a contrarian voice in the matter. And that there's a lot of things that kind of just get left behind in the noise. I mean, it's constantly, they're constantly pumping things. I think a lot of it is very, very sensationalized. Um, and in a way, I don't know, I don't know that everything that's coming along with this is actually great, that it's actually going to benefit us in the long run. So with that being said, let's start off again, just with basic numbers. Um, today is the 18th of March and in the U S the current cases as of 4 PM today were 7,038 cases that were under review, and there were a total of 97 deaths in the U.S. Taking a rough estimate um, of population and the total number of cases, and then I'm going to go ahead and round up on most of these. In the U.S. currently, the infection rate is 0.0022%. Um, the total number of worldwide cases crossed 200,000 today, uh, looking at it now. We're at about 220,000 cases, again, rounding up. 
and about 9,000 deaths worldwide. Um, Percentage-wise, the number of cases worldwide is 0.025%. And the reason that I kind of reiterate these numbers, I think it's very important to try to put this in context uh, with the headlines we're seeing, with the reaction that we're seeing. I think that some of the measures may be drastic at this point. Now, again, I understand the idea is to get ahead of this before it starts to spread, before it can exponentially grow. Um, so I understand the rationale, but what is kind of the opportunity cost of actually shutting down the entire United States economy, basically the entire world economy for, I mean, at least two weeks to a month now, possibly extending it even longer, two months, three months. It's hard to tell. I mean, the way that we're looking at the peak and the way that this is spreading, the peak could still be two, two, three months out. So I think, I don't think you're going to see anything necessarily returning to normal for quite a while if this is the standard that we're going to set um, for a reaction to this. So current developments are the shutting down, closing of every restaurant, bar, uh, gym, basically any public gathering area besides a supermarket is currently completely shut down. Um, the ramifications of that are going to be insane. The amount of pressure that this is going to put on small and medium businesses of all type, of all types, um, the amount of pressure that this is going to put on people working in the service industry that maybe are working paycheck to paycheck is going to be crazy. Now, there's talk of certain measures to kind of mitigate these effects. There's talk of giving out um, unemployment to a lot of these workers, but I don't think that that's necessarily going to cover the amount of money that they typically bring in. The stimulus packages that are being discussed, I know they're talking about probably a trillion dollar stimulus package. Um, the Federal Reserve already cut rates down to 0%. They cut interest rates down to 0%. All these measures, I don't know. I mean, they're well, one, they're Band-Aids because there's nothing you can do financially necessarily to prevent a virus but also will they even have any effect if people aren't leaving their homes you know we're looking at northern california already um, kind of enacted a form of shelter in place new york and new jersey and other states i believe are looking at a type of shelter in place provision to keep people at home which will effectively bring the economy to even more of a standstill than it's already at. Um, I don't even think I'm necessarily going to go into the losses on Wall Street. I'll say that this Monday was the lowest, or sorry, the biggest inter interday drop, I believe, that the Dow Jones has ever seen um, in history. And I'll tell you, we had a slight bounce Tuesday, and it was about as ugly uh, today. The market has returned basically to levels that it was at four years ago. I believe oil is at one of the lowest prices it's been at in many years. I've never seen gasoline as cheap as we're seeing it right now. It's in the 170s, and I would I don't think it would be an unreasonable bet to say it'll go 150 or lower. I, I believe it even dropped more today, so eventually we'll see that factor into gas prices as well. And so I just really want to keep reiterating the amount of economic damage this is going to do 
and this is going to trickle into basically everybody's lives. I think everybody is going to be touched by this in some way. I know a lot of people, it's almost like, I I hate to say this, but it's almost like a, a two-week vacation, but the amount of stress that this is going to place on certain people's lives, the amount of stress that this places on economic systems that have been built over many years, the amount of stress that this places on small businesses, medium businesses, is unprecedented. And to tell you the truth, the large businesses, the giants of the world, they're going to be affected some, yes, but they'll recover. You know, they <laughs> some of them are already seeking um, bailouts. Others have enough kind of on the books to probably survive and coast through this. And I don't know, this could this could really have repercussions for a long period of time if we really do drive out a lot of these small and medium-sized businesses, it'll really change the level of competition um, within our economy. It'll change how robust our systems are. And I don't know, maybe there will be a positive outcome. Maybe some of the stimulus that's been talked about will actually make a difference. But it's really, it's kind of difficult to necessarily have that optimistic um, of an outlook. Shifting gears a little bit, uh, you're seeing what I kind of deem to be um, abuses of power in some right. Uh, the Ohio primary elections, the Ohio elections were postponed uh, by the governor, Mike DeWine, after a judge ruled that the election should take place. They were postponed. And I understand where a lot of these governors and legislators are coming from because if they don't take this drastic of an action, you can see how people are going to try to hold them accountable um, if the outbreak continues to grow, you know. But again, this is one of those things I think you have to look at and take it all with a grain of salt. You have to look at the number of cases in Ohio. I believe it's roughly 60 or 70. Again, this is a relatively low percentage. Now I understand, again, that there are a lot of cases likely that are unconfirmed this apparently there's asymptomatic um asymptomatic infections among a lot of the younger population but if this is the case how many have we ever canceled an election that's in flu season a bad flu season i don't know i don't i we haven't actually i do know we haven't done that so it is worse than the flu Okay, don't try to catch me on that one. But I think you should look at everything a little more carefully and think, is this really, what is the opportunity cost of this? Is this really the way that we should be proceeding? And every one of these proceedings is then going to be a precedent for the next virus that comes out, the next time that we have a so-called national emergency, state emergency. Every line that gets moved a little bit further is a line, you can't put it back. You can't put the cat back in the bag. You can't put the genie back in the bottle. As soon as that line is set, as soon as a certain amount of power is given in these situations, you will never get it back. So in some ways, I think you can't, just in the name of public safety, you can't throw everything out that we've that we've kind of had before. You can't throw all the standards um, out that we've previously 
had. And I know this is where I drew some ire. I, I tweeted something by Benjamin Franklin to the extent of, I think it was, the quote was, those that give up freedom um, to gain temporary safety deserve neither freedom nor safety. Now, this wasn't directed exactly at a specific moment in this event. It was just kind of a keep your eyes open type of thing. What are the trade-offs that we really want to accept here as a country, um, as individuals? Where do our... If, if you really believe in American freedom, which I think is an ideal that kind of gets tested at times like these you learned maybe you don't really have as much freedom um in a case of emergency now whether that's good or bad i you could definitely make a case to say that this is in the best interest of the people to lock lock people down quarantine go ahead and do it we're going to save lives that point could be made that point could very very truly be made i guess we'll never know um, what would happen if you did otherwise? And I see why in these cases, some people want to be safer than, than being sorry. This virus is, you have a death rate of as close to zero as you can get if you're under 60 years old without underlying health conditions. So is that, is the small percentage of people, I mean, maybe there's another way we could mitigate this. Maybe we take different approaches for those that are at higher risk instead of shutting everyone down. I don't know. I don't know how that would work, how you would play that out. But is truly shutting down the country, absolutely destroying the economy, kicking people out of their jobs, taking people away from their livelihoods for, for a few months, is that actually going to be worth um, what we end up preventing or saving? And that's a hard question. I it's a hard question for me to ask, and I understand why people people have gotten very upset with me recently as I've posed that question to them. I don't I don't mean to come off heartless. I understand you have grandparents. I have grandparents. Um, nobody wants all the eighty year olds to die. Nobody wants your grandparent to die. But try to distance yourself from that a little bit, I guess, and try to look at it in different ways. Um, with detaching those emotions because in my opinion one of our greatest enemies here is the emotion of fear i think that fear is driving a grand amount um, of the reaction to this now fear can be totally healthy fear is a good thing uh it can it it'll prevent us you know maybe from approaching this entirely nonchalant but I, I, again, you need a contrarian point of view. I think you need to try to remain as far away from full-blown fear or panic as you can be. Um, I know we see people rushing uh, grocery stores, and I kind of understand that if we're gonna, if this shelter-in-place, if these shelter-in-place things are being discussed, I understand why you would want food. Um, there's questions with the supply chain. Will the supply chain hold up if some of these things actually take place the way that they could? And I'd like to turn a lens towards the media and kind of, I'll go ahead and criticize them for this because a lot of the things coming out, to me, they feel like propaganda. 
to me, they seem to be so fear-based. To me, they seem to be incredibly sensationalized. Just the way they describe the numbers, the way they describe increasing count, it could go up by three people. Like you look at these state headlines, it could go from 30 to 33. They'll say, the number of coronaviruses soars to 33 in Indiana. Like 33 people, to take that in context, is not. it's really not that many. It's a relatively isolated thing. The way they sensationalize the media, it truly reminds me of propaganda. Um, another, I guess, saying the, um, the small numbers of things, I don't think this is going to hit us quite as bad as it hit China, at least not, uh, not me sitting in the Midwest. Now, that doesn't mean I can't worry about it, whatever. But I think America is much uh, less densely populated than, say, Italy or China, who this has really hurt the worst. Now, the big cities, New York right now, New Jersey, it's not looking real great. Um, and yeah, I hope that they do all right through this. But the rest of the country, I don't think you're really going to see that level of transmission. Um, and while it's fresh on my mind, we'll go back to China. I was just reading a article today here. Let me pull it up. Okay, so China, and it, it seems like they're already on the back end of this thing. So here's the, the article. Um, Wuhan, China confirms only one new coronavirus case for the second straight day. So they've already seen basically a complete, a complete stop to new novel cases. So here's the numbers right now for China. Chinese mainland has reported um, about 81,000 confirmed COVID-19 cases and about 3,300 deaths. But since the number of cases has dwindled and more than 65,000 people have recovered from the virus. And in the last two days, there's only been one case in Wuhan where this originated. So I believe there was about a four-month run period over there in China. So I, I don't know if we can expect that here. I don't know if it's going to be a lot slower. If we're slowing the spread of it, uh, if that peak will be much later. It, it seems like it almost is going to have to, it's either going to die out, which is unlikely, or it's going to run its course and hit its peak and come down. Uh, so stretching it out, at least we're not stressing our health systems. Um, but again, I think <laughs> stretching it out, it's going to take longer to reach the peak. It's going to cause more damage on other levels. And hopefully we won't be, I won't have to be talking about this in a couple months. That would be great. I am not very optimistic on that. Um, but again, I'm going to go ahead and switch gears into some of the more fun stuff surrounding this. If you want to call it fun, it's actually a lot of it is kind of, mm, I don't know, it's very interesting. Um, this is going to be, and this is another thing that I was very nervous about talking about uh, because it can come off a lot of it comes off conspiratorial and some of this is going to be straight conspiracy basically and I'll kind of point those out but I just think it's fun kind of to talk about the conspiracies of it um, but some of the stuff is very very interesting I guess and it'll just be kind of food for thought for you guys 
if anybody makes it this far and wants some links, I probably will post some links. I maybe already have tweeted some of them. If you text and ask, I will go ahead or DM us or whatever. Um, I will make sure to get you those links. But let's jump into some of the fun stuff surrounding it. So one of the one of the main or one of the main conspiracy theories coming out is that this was not a natural occurrence, that it was man-made or lab-made. Um, and I think one of the main drivers for that is that there actually was a biological uh, weapons research center in Wuhan, uh, the city where it originated from. And I know there was also some joint military exercises going on around maybe about a month uh, prior to the first case is showing up. I don't believe this narrative. Um, I think that it is likely that it originated in these wet markets, which if you haven't seen a Chinese wet market, I think that's definitely your next, that should be your next Google search. These things are pretty insane. I've never even seen some of these animals before, and all these animals are in cages. Um, this open market ready to be slaughtered in front of you and eaten so it's a pretty insane thing apparently it jumped from um a bat into another i can't even think of the name of this thing right now it's some it's like a smaller mammal uh man i wish i could think of the name of this thing but it jumped into this other animal from a bat and then spread to human i don't know they don't know if it was from consumption or just from um the virus being out in the air in these open air markets um so i think that's probably the most likely case of it or cause of it excuse me um we've seen i'm pretty sure what this one of the sars outbreaks actually originated in a very similar way uh i know yeah, that one of the SARS outbreaks that came out of China. I know one of the very infectious viruses that came out of Africa also was believed to be transmitted from a bat. So that's probably the most likely, um, the most likely origin of that. There. The next theory is a little less pointed, a little bit uh, less easy to prove or disprove i guess um and again it plays on the whole like what most conspiracies come from it comes from the whole um elite elite sovereignty the one percent um the ruling class that is using this as um, a means to gain more control over the system over the economic system over social systems over using the media to so-called program and control people. Um, this is an interesting philosophy as well. I mean, I don't think I entirely subscribe to it, but there are very interesting points in it. If anything else, it's just kind of a fun mental exercise to try to figure out uh, kind of where you want to, how you want to draw your opinions on some of these things. There's some incredibly interesting coincidences um that i you know a lot of people start drawing lines to are they related to anything 
I don't know, and I'm not going to put an exact opinion on that. So some are pointing out that, you know, maybe this was, I already talked about that it was designed. So some say it was designed and set out. Um, like I mentioned earlier, there were military exercises in China about this time. There was a particular exercise related to a pandemic that I will get into in a minute. Uh, but again, the idea being that this pandemic was released in order to crash the economic systems, in order to frighten people, in order to push the lines on the amount of power that could be controlled. So I suppose if you had a theorist like this, you could kind of, you could connect some of those dots because it is what we're seeing. Um, the market is nearly 30 to 40% done or excuse me, down. Um, and those are, those are relatively larger companies. I, people are losing money and, and savings and, um, and retirement accounts and whatnot. Um, uh, even more concerning thing maybe might be a, these small businesses now are shutting everything down. And a lot of these people will say that, yeah, I mean, they'll acknowledge that the virus is real, that it is spreading, um, but that it's not, it's not really that deadly, um, at least not deadly enough to shut down the entire economic system. So I think maybe there is an agenda behind this uh, to shut down the economic system in order to drive out smaller and medium level competitors. Interesting thought. Uh, I think that you'll never completely drive out small business, medium level business. I think it'll always kind of reappear. It's kind of a naturally occurring things. People are going to try to create businesses for themselves, but an interesting idea. Um, another idea being that they're pushing for a cashless society, which kind of sounds odd in this case, but I have noticed that there have been several um, guidelines about cash spreading the disease, like physical cash touching it. Um, sure, it could. The virus could be on it. Um, today, I went to Starbucks, and they, while they haven't stopped accepting cash, some locations actually, I've been told, have completely stopped accepting cash. They will only accept a card. Um, Starbucks actually the the guy that handed me my order because I wasn't you're not allowed inside it's completely closed off you have to go through the drive through um, we ended up paying with the Starbucks app or whatever he's like oh thank you thank you so much for not using cash it's so terrible every time somebody has to use cash like I there's a procedure on how I have to grab it um, there's a procedure on I have to sanitize my hands after I touch the cash. And even when we when we used the the um, the phone, and I, I saw a few people pay by card, he wouldn't he wouldn't touch your phone. He wouldn't touch your card. The scanner was actually physically placed outside of the window. Touch it, and this is in an this is in an area with, to my knowledge, there was uh, there was one rumored confirmed case. There may be one confirmed case in this whole city. They won't touch 
cat or they don't want to touch cash sanitize every other time which it, it, this again these are i'm not building this up to be a conspiracy but it is an interesting point that people can make and as i said i've other businesses have tried to go completely cashless at this point um i think the idea the conspiracy theorists have about going cashless and i shouldn't even say conspiracy theorist i think that that word is oftentimes used to completely shut down other people's ideas, which I absolutely cannot stand. Um, I think that we should always have an open forum for discussion, an open forum for debate. I don't think you should ever try to shut someone down um, in that way, by necessarily by labeling them and attacking them in that way. Uh, but the theory being behind going cashless that you're able to track every transaction. I know a lot of people with Bitcoin, they thought Bitcoin was going to be this, well, the whole cryptocurrency, um, the whole cryptocurrency industry in general thought that it was going to be a savior, that it was going to remove the government um, from their lives, from their, from their purchases, from how they exchange money. Um, however, I think that the cryptocurrency, I think this Bitcoin, BitChain, um, take not sorry, bit chain blockchain technology. Excuse me, this blockchain technology has been co opted, um, or will be co opted by the government. I know they're talking about Fedcoin, I'm sure it will have a different name. But the U.S. was was talking about the U.S. Treasury or the Federal Reserve. I'd have to look exactly at who was doing it, was looking at offering, um, a cryptocurrency themselves and i think that that's definitely a possibility in the coming years with a cryptocurrency like that every single every single transaction would be automatically um, captured they would know exactly where money was changing hands how much money exact time that it happened exact time signatures on everything they would immediately have access to all that information um so theory being Having access to that much information gives you more control. Um, in China, they are testing out some of these, um, they call it a social score, where based on how you interact in society, I guess, possibly party affiliations, possibly how loyal you are to the country, what you've done, you get a social score. Certain people can be locked out, basically blacklisted um, from getting jobs from spending money. I think that that is maybe the fear that it could reach that level that they could shut you out if they deemed you criminal, if they deemed you were conducting something that they thought was criminal, they could shut you down from basically transacting, um, living in society, living in society, exchanging in society. Along with this, I think you also see a push to continue to push people into technology to continue to numb people uh, numb their minds continue to interlock them with technology i'll go off on kind of a few different points one of the main things that you're hearing with this is isolate and you're hearing um self-distance this or social sorry excuse me social distancing get your social distance stay six feet away stay away from everybody social i mean you hear social distancing it's being beaten into your head constantly social distance social distance social distance 
stay at home. I I think that a point could be made to this degree that maybe people are pushing for social distancing. Does it, it will this benefit some technology companies possibly? I think certain streaming comp- companies you're going to see um, upticks in their numbers. Um, I think another kind of interesting place that this is manifested that I don't think is good. I've, I've seen um, that porn services are actually offering free premium accounts to places that are quarantined right now, um, pushing further into the lives of individuals. So you've seen people, they're isolating. I think that you'll see increased amounts of what I, I mean, basically numbing with streaming devices or streaming services, um, pornography, um, poor, poor food, probably some microwave meals and stuff like that. I don't think that any of these are really things that are very conducive, are very um, productive to our society that build strong character and strong individuals. Um, a lot of these things are what I consider to be numbing. Um, they kind of shut your I'm, shut your brain down. People are going to go on basically maybe a multi-month vacation, who knows, where they're told not to leave their homes. Gyms are shut down. People will not be exercising as much as they were. People will probably be watching a fair amount more television, as we were talking about. So I don't know. There's a few ways that this could take or could take shape. So I think it would be great if people spent this time reading and doing their home yoga and whatever and taking this time to actually take a break and reconnect with family and friends. But I know but again to to paint the conspiracy view, this can be used to further isolate people, drive them away drive them into their technology, drive them into their phones, into their streaming, um, into their virtual realities or whatnot to further line the pockets of technology companies to further numb them, dumb them down um, to whatever um, whatever the so-called powers that be would like to uh, take legislation or take... Um, Take, take power, really, I guess, in any form. Um, regardless of conspiracy or any type of thing, even if there isn't a nefarious plan, I think Americans in general, we need to grow stronger, we need to grow smarter, and we need to grow more connected to each other. And I think that we should possibly reevaluate the role that we let technology uh, play in our lives. We need to reevaluate where we kind of want to go with this technology. It's almost like it's, it's driving us really. We're kind of bootstrapped to the thing and we don't, I, maybe there are a few people that kind of know where this is going, but the common man, I don't think really has any idea or any say and where we're going to go as a nation as uh, humanity in general. So I think that people, hopefully, if there's good to come out of this, hopefully people 
can take this moment to step back, reevaluate, see what's actually going on, uh, care for each other, try to help each other instead of tear each other down, instead of numbing, isolating. Um, hopefully we'll actually, hopefully this will be a little break and we'll come back rejuvenated and renewed and want to be around each other again. And just, it'll, we'll be full of camaraderie and, uh, joy, just itching to get back together, to get back outside, working out, whatever, back to work. Um, yeah, I don't know. (laughs) It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see if we even take these lessons and advance our preparedness for natural disasters, for viruses in general. Hopefully, though, hopefully this will uh, push that ball forward, get that ball rolling. I don't know that it necessarily has in the past. You look at some of the other recent outbreaks, well, some of the recent, semi-recent coronavirus outbreaks like that came out uh, I want to say about 2004 or whatever, most of those vaccines were never finished. Um, a lot of the recent Ebola problems, a lot of those vaccines either didn't get finished or are just now getting finished. You know, after this thing runs its course, it's not quite as profitable necessarily to prepare for it or to develop a vaccine. Um, something to think about. Let's get back to the conspiracies, and I guess the uh, preparedness leads us in to the next thing that I would like to talk about. Um, Give me a minute to pull this up. Okay, this was called Event 201. That's Event 201. And this was a pandemic simulation that was run in October of 2019. Um... Let's see some of the parties involved with this. The excuse me for a minute. Uh, the John Johns Hopkins Center for Health Security, so it's a university. The World Economic Forum and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Um, so this was a little simulation. This is fifteen global business, government, and public health leaders were players in the simulation exercise that highlighted unresolved real-world policy and economic issues that could be solved with sufficient political will, financial investment, and attention now and in the future. So again, this took place late October of 2019, which was about a month, well, two months, two months, two and a half months before we saw... Uh, coronavirus really hit the proverbial scene, okay? Now let's read the description of the scenario (laughs) that was enacted. Event 201 simulates an outbreak of a novel zoonotic coronavirus transmitted from bats to pigs to people that eventually becomes efficiently transmissible from person to person leading to a severe pandemic The pathogen and the disease it causes are modeled largely on SARS, but it is more transmissible in the community setting by people with mild symptoms. Again, this is basically exactly what we're seeing. So there's no possibility. They they discuss how it's going to spread. They say they actually chose to start this one in South South America, but they say it quickly spreads to the U.S. and China. 
At first, some countries are able to control it. It continues to spread and is reintroduced, and eventually no country can maintain control. There is no possibility of a vaccine being available in the first year, but there is a fictional antiviral drug that could help out the sick, but not significantly limit the disease. Since the whole human population is susceptible during the initial months of the pandemic, the cumulative number of cases increases exponentially, doubling every week, and as cases and deaths accumulate, the economic and societal consequences become increasingly severe. The scenario ends at the 18-month point with 65 million deaths. <laughs> so, a lot of the, a lot of this scenario is exactly what we happen to see just two months later. Um, so, coincidences like these, um, I see where some conspiracy theorists how this could get their their wheels turning it's also interesting you can watch highlights and videos from the event they actually have them broken down into the responses and stuff and it's basically exactly what's going on now they even did um, mock press releases mock um, like interviews with doctors uh, mock television shows on how they would present this to the public, what financial steps they were going to take to reduce the burden of this happening. Um, it's interesting. So either, you know, you can say that they were actually getting themselves prepared and they happened to pick the perfect scenario to run at nearly the exact correct time. And they are following these things uh, pretty much to a T. But, you know, that's the type of stuff that gets conspiracy theorists frothing at the mouth. Um, yeah, it's interesting. So I think that's something I probably I might drop the link to that somewhere. I think this is that's incredibly fascinating. Um, and yeah, I see where the conspiracies can be built off of that right there. But again, this is not the end of the world. You know, the Spanish flu, I believe the Spanish flu killed 50 million of a much smaller population. I don't, I don't know. There's projections up to those numbers. I don't think we're going to see 50 million deaths. But let me tell you what, humanity after the Spanish flu, it thrived. Um, this could be something that's, I always preface it before saying it. I don't know why. I mean, it is kind of, maybe uncouth or whatnot but in some ways losing a bit of population elderly population can almost in in some ways i hate to say this but it can almost be good in some ways um and having a virus having an event like this take place can actually be a catalyst for bringing people together for improving our defenses against viruses for restructuring supply chains supply chains very, very, very much are in need of restructuring. And I really hope that we end up looking at all this stuff. I really hope that it ends up being good. Um, I hope that, you know, none of the conspiracies are correct. That is something that I guess could be pretty scary to people to say that, oh, there's the elites that are tinkering with us. And maybe they are, maybe they aren't. I don't think anyone could come up with really definitive 
um, information on that. I think conspiracy theories are a lot of fun. I think it, it just shifts your mind when people, you see people start to connect the dots from here to there. Do, 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 do. They connect everything and they put it together. And it's all incredibly plausible, but it's not. It's very plausible, but you can't exactly prove it. Um, so if anything else, it, they, they definitely dig up a lot of interesting facts that you haven't heard from a mainstream source um, that are fun. They're very fascinating for me to go ahead and research and then take with them and do with them as you will. Um, but yes, again, hopefully something positive will come out of all this. Um, I just hope if you take anything away from this, I just pray that you question things a little bit more and that you don't just get, you don't listen all the time to the mainstream narrative. I don't want, you know, maybe that's even cliche at this point. Come off, oh, da 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 da. But hey, question everything. That's what the Coyote cast is about. That's what the Coyote, the, the logos behind coyote, the anima, the soul, the spirit, what we kind of, what I thought of at least, maybe the others, when we were breeding this idea, coming up with the name, um, is that the coyote has, is always, it's the trickster god and many religions, a lot of Native American or American Indian, whatever you want to call them indigenous peoples and a lot of their stories the coyote is the trickster god um yeah kind of like loki i suppose and other norse uh and norse mythologies and whatnot but the idea being we want to i want to present you something different i want to present you something that will make you think i want to present something that will maybe hopefully rattle your perception a little bit your perception of what's going on around you and i don't think this was really crazy i don't want to dive i don't want to dive all in on things because i never it's very hard to verify what's going on it's even hard to get good stats and good information about what's even going on with this so i'm never going to jump to conclusions but i'd like to present you with a lot of things i'd like to hopefully rattle your cage a little bit um yeah, I think I've spoken enough. This is 47 minutes. If anybody makes it through here, I applaud you and DM me or something and I'll have a little surprise for you if you're hearing this. And if you skip to the end and you lie to me, I'll know. I'll ask you like some really pointed question about something in the middle of this and I'll catch you for sure. For sure I will. So... I'm going to sign off here because I need to get to sleep. So, done. Peace.